Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast. In the town too tough to die, the Birdcage Theatre, Tombstone, Arizona, may be the most gruesome attraction. 26 people allegedly died within the building in shootouts, stabbings and suicide. Featured in Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Ghost Lab and Fact or Faked Paranormal Files, it's no secret that it's a top spot for supernatural activity. Today, travellers and staff allegedly see the spectres of courtesans and cowboys, even smelling cigars in the non-smoking saloon. Melodies are played on phantom pianos, laughter is overheard whenever the brothel is barren. Spectral stagehands are seen walking across the stage and some claim to catch the whiff of whiskey whenever there's no one around. Join us this week as we look at the Bird Cage Theatre Tombstone. I'm Anne Regovich. And I'm Renata Daniel. And we welcome you to True Hauntings. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. So... We have been two busy little ghost hunting girls. Yeah, busy bees. Or, or weird nannies at our oh, the aunties. Weird aunties. Uh, weird aunties. <laughs> I, I like nearly it. said grannies. I know. Nearly. I'm, I've almost trained you into saying it. I'll get there eventually, Isaac. I will. Yeah, we've been busy. We went to Queensland. Oh, no. We felt very professional, didn't yes. we? So we got flown up there. And wasn't it a great flight up, Renata? No, it was absolutely shocking. 
It was absolutely shocking. Was, what was supposed to take us about an hour and a half mm-hmm. ended up taking us what five, six, seven hours yeah. in total. Yeah, we we uh, ha- we were sitting on the plane ready to go after it was already delayed an hour, and then we sat on that for an hour and a half, and then they cancelled the flight. Yes, not, get not, off. It's like. Yeah, stuff is all. Get off the plane. So go collect your bags and go around the front and recheck in and go through all that trauma again. Mm-hmm. Only, only to have to fly to Brisbane instead now, of the Gold Coast. Brisbane is not near the Gold Coast. No, it was an hour and a half's drive. <laughs> so we had to find our own way there. Well, yes, they, they were offering buses, mm-hmm. so we did wait and catch a bus, but the lady said to get to where we wanted to go on the Gold Coast at Surfers, that we get off at, I can't remember. Helen's Vale, I don't know, I it's it burned out of my brain. <laughs> Helen's Vale. <laughs> so we got off there and thought, oh, there's light rail, we'll catch that. So then we've ju- we've jumped onto that, and it turned out that they were doing track work. Mm-hmm. So there was buses there as well, and by this stage we packed the poos. Yes. We'd had enough. Yes, you called an Uber. We called an Uber. Yeah, and so it was we a ended lo- up. Oh, and then we get to the hotel, right? <laughs> so we ended up getting to the hotel around nine o'clock, nine thirty. Yep, and we are starving. Yes, starving. And we, we got to the airport at what was it like one thirty or yes. something. <laughs> Oh. So we're starving. And it, it was actually 10, 10.30 our time because mm-hmm. Queensland was back an hour. So we'd been travelling for nine hours at this stage. Mm-hmm. We wanted food. And so, of course, you've looked at what is available on um, the... Uber Eats. No, firstly... On the menu. Oh, the room service. The room service. Yes, we were, ex- we were <laughs> looking at the room service on the way in the Uber because we were getting excited about what we were going to order. And we go to check in and we say, oh, we'll order room service in a minute. Oh, no, sorry, that closed at 8.30. <laughs> no. Oh, but you can get an Uber. Okay. Uber All eats. right. So we've, we've gone upstairs. You've gotten all the Uber menus out, Uber Eats menus, and we've had a look at that. Finally, we've decided on some beautiful Italian food. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, we've checked the stuff that we want. Yeah, Everything's, put it all yeah. into the menu. Yeah. And then we go to hit pay and it says, <laughs> I'm sorry, while you've been placing this order, we have closed the restaurant. <laughs> And that's when I broke. I lay face down on the bed and I started to hysterically giggle and cry all at once. Um, And then during all of that that was going on, they cancelled, Jetstar cancelled one of our flights to Tasmania as well just to top it all off. It's like, all right, I think we've either broken a mirror or run over a black cat or something. But anyway... We got food. We got food. It was lovely. Yes, we got some Thai food. Was Uh, it Thai? I can't remember. Thai Korean. Korean. It was Korean. That's right. It was fried chicken. And by God, there was a lot of it. We had it for breakfast the next day. Yeah. So we we have survived. That's that's the thing. And we did a whole lot of filming. Yes. So guys. With the gorgeous guys from Human Labs. Connor, our handler. Yeah. (laughs) And 
Verve Management. Yep. Big plug to you guys. Connor's our director as well. He was amazing. And and Stu, the cameraman. They they really looked after us. So And we uh, got to meet all the team. Yeah. So we got to meet Josh and Sam and and everyone in the office and Zach didn't sneeze on us, which we really appreciate. Uh. <laughs> but the good thing is we're going back in about ten weeks. We are. So we've got some interesting and exciting news coming up with some new YouTube ventures. Mm-hmm. We can't kind of tell you what Maybe they next are, episode. but they are pretty awesome and it probably shows a little bit more of our personalities and character. And you get to see our gorgeous faces. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're a bag over our heads the next time. <laughs> but uh, let's let's get on to this now. And you have been to Tombstone? I have been to Tombstone. And I have investigated the Birdcage oh, Theatre. So, <laughs> so jealous. Oh, and I, wow. did, I did put up a post um, telling people that this was coming up and uh, a number of people actually wrote to say that they had been there and it was one of the best spots they've ever been mm. to. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's get on with the story. Okay. The Birdcage Theatre has many legends, but there is one that caught my eye between two soiled doves and resulted in the death of one in 1882. It involved the prostitute called Gold Dollar. She was first known as Little Gertie, but with her petite frame, long golden blonde hair and a rate of a gold dollar as payment for her services, She took on the business name, Gold Dollar. She plied her trade at the Crystal Palace, which was located a block away from the Birdcage Theatre. Although she was tiny in stature, she was feisty and known to have a mean streak. Gold Dollar also had a live-in lover, a high-stakes gambler named Billy Milgreen, and she was said to have been very possessive of him and threatened any woman who touched or flirted with him. For the most part, the women of the town were afraid of the petite prostitute and stayed away from Billy. Eventually, trouble came to town in the form of an attractive prostitute named Margarita. With her creamy bronze skin, this sensual, mysterious woman took a job at the Birdcage Theatre. Even though Margarita was aware of Gold Dollar and Billy's relationship, it didn't stop her from flirting with him. Gold Dollar threatened to cut out Margarita's heart if she didn't back off. Billy, knowing what Gold Dollar was capable of, promised her that he would have nothing to do with the newest employee of the birdcage. One evening, Billy received news that a high-stakes poker game was going to be held at the birdcage, and he wanted in. Gold Dollar was working at the Crystal Palace that night and made him promise to stay away from Margarita. Excited about playing the game, he wholeheartedly agreed and ran off to the birdcage in the hopes of getting rich. Now, some stories say that Gold Donna didn't trust Billy to begin with, and she went down to the birdcage to check things out for herself. Other accounts suggest that someone told her that Margarita was flirting with her man, and she ran down the street to the birdcage in a fit of rage. Regardless, 
She arrived just in time to see Margarita sitting in the gambler's lap. She busted through the doors and rushed over to where they were sitting. She grabbed a fistful of Margarita's hair and pulled her off Billy. Margarita tried to fight back against the angry woman, but she was no match for her enraged temper. Gold Dollar pulled out a four-inch stiletto from her garter and stabbed the woman in the side. Margarita, mortally wounded, died before a doctor could reach her. When the sheriff was called, Gold Dollar ran out of the birdcage and hid the stiletto outside of the building. Margarita's body was taken away, the blood cleaned up, and the birdcage roared on as if nothing had happened. No murder charges were brought against Gold Dollar because the murder weapon was never found. The legend says that several months later, Billy Milgreen quietly left Tombstone and was never heard from again. Perhaps he and Gold Dollar got together in some rip-roaring mine town and sealed their bond in blood. But it's possible their paths never crossed again. Surprisingly, a double-sided stiletto was found in the 1980s when the privy behind the theatre was dug out during construction. Was this Gold Dollar's blade that had taken Margarita's life? Many think it was. Margarita and Gold Dollar are said to still be seen in the old birdcage theatre. Maybe their score has not yet been settled. So the web page for the birdcage theatre in Tombstone, Arizona tells us that the Birdcage Theatre had its grand opening on December the 24th, 1881. It gained a reputation as one of the wickedest theatres between New Orleans and San Francisco. And for eight years, from 1881 to 1889, the Birdcage Theatre operated continuously 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Legend has it that 26 people were killed in the Birdcage Theatre. I reckon it's far more than 26. I reckon it is too. (laughs) My God, it was a wild place. And that there are over 140 bullet holes remaining in the building. Now, we'll get on to whether you saw any of those um, when you talk about the hauntings because you have been there, you lucky thing. I know, and I want to take you. And I have to thank Jason because we weren't actually going to go there on our cannonball run around America. But he said I'd really like to go to Tombstone. And I'm so glad we did. It was freaking amazing. Now, when you do research, what you find often changes are dates and certainly I found some, I guess, dates that didn't match when I was researching this, one of them being the opening of the theatre itself. So one actually says December the 24th and another one I found was December the 26th. So give or take a day or two. I might have had two openings. A soft opening and a hard opening. Many of the girls too. (laughs) We could just get really dirty on that. Let's, <laughs> let's just not go there. Okay. 
I was just using modern terminology, but yeah. maybe not. I wasn't. <laughs> anyway, we know that at the end of December 1881, the Birdcage Theatre opened and it was made actually of cement, not wood, mm. which meant that it survived many of the fires that burnt everything else down in Tombstone in the early 1880s. Because of the drunk cowboys? Yeah. This, uh, it was owned by Lottie and William or Billy Hutchinson. And Billy was a variety performer and his original intention of building this particular theatre was to make it a respectable family place. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) We are talking about Tombstone. He missed the mark. Yeah, well, let's say that, you know, he'd been to San Francisco on his journeys as as a variety performer and I think he had grand expectations that um, it was going to draw large crowds, it was going to be this amazing place and so he opened this theatre, uh, making it yeah, a, a variety, a variety theatre. And they hosted, first thing they did was they hosted Ladies Night. And the, the idea... <laughs> <laughs> My mind boggles. Yeah. And um, they invited all the respectable women from Tombstone to come. And they even said it's free. Come, just come for free. Well, that was a major disaster. <laughs> And it didn't work and soon they cancelled Ladies' Night. (laughs) Now they had to pay. And and Billy had to kind of rethink the whole idea and he decided that maybe some wilder entertainment would be more forthcoming for the people of Tombstone. Yeehaw! And it was wild indeed from what I read. Hmm. So this meant that business at the birdcage thrived and it became Became what was known as the theatre saloon, and um, as I read before, it operated around the clock. It featured dancing girls, oh. and the dancing girls would double as barmaids and prostitutes. Oh my God, they had that must be exhausted. <laughs> it would have been. They even had to work them when they were trying to sleep. I know. And so these poor girls uh, would, yes, dance and then serve at the bar and serve in the bird cages. Uh, Literally, in another way. <laughs> yep. yep. And the names given to these girls were astounding. We talked about this a little bit earlier mm. when we talked before we started to record this. And one of their names was doves or soiled doves. Oh. That makes Isn't them sound. Terrible? I know it just makes them sound like they've got tar on their feathers. Yeah. Soiled doves in the bird cages. So the stage shows at the bird cage. They'd start around nine o'clock in the evening and go for around four hours. That's a lot of hard work. It yeah. really is. And let me tell you that uh, the nightlife in Tombstone when I was there. It was probably about five years ago. Now that would be pretty much the same. The, the, <laughs> the, the pubs and everything changed. were going, and there was people singing karaoke and oh, staggering no. down the street drunk. Well, back then the beer was fifty cents, uh, and it could be purchased in on the main floor. But if you wanted to go into the private curtained boxes upstairs, it was double the price. Oh, fancy that. Mm -hmm. So soon the saloon theatre combo not only gained a reputation as the rowdiest entertainment place in Tombstone, it became known as the wickedest theatre between New Orleans and San Francisco. Now, that would draw anyone in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course. 
Apparently the ladies would strut around almost naked, if not naked, mm-hmm. completely covered in beer and alcohol because of men tipping their drinks on them as they walked past or trying to give them a good grope. Also having a conversation with <laughs> and, doing, and, you know, moving the beer around and sloshing it everywhere. Yeah, they were a very rowdy bunch. So those those poor women, and I I think I speak about this, but those it it actually was a place that gave women an opportunity to be in charge whilst they were in the theatre. Mm-hmm. So while they were working, even though they were working in jobs that, you know, people of a certain class would look down upon and say, you know, these women are dirty and how they can be doing this and, you know, not not civilised, um, this was a spot where they had some type of respect. Well, let's face it, they had the boys by their... Short and curlies. <laughs> Ears. <laughs> they had control over them. They could flirt they and they could walk away if they wanted to and mm-hmm. they were empowered. Mm-hmm. There and were some funny characters there too. Yeah. And everything cost money, yes. of course. Nothing was given away for free. Yes, and the girls were trying to go and sit with the boys and say, come on, get me a drink. Mm. Yes. So let's just have a quick look at at the inside of this place. So just inside the main entrance, there was a large wooden bar and this is where patrons would normally pick up their drinks. Then they entered into the main hall of the theatre. So the entertainment was conducted on a stage, which was about five feet above the main floor and 15 feet square. And the stage itself was lit by a row of gas jets that ran along the front side. Ooh, so that's very um very typical of that old fashioned, you know, um 18 late 1800s early 1900s theater style. Yeah. Yeah, so if you look at all old movies and everything, you'll see those gas jets mm. that light up mm-hmm. the stage. Yeah, and I'm just thinking of the hazards of all of that. No wonder it burnt down so many times, mm. not to mention the fact that, that it was burning the oxygen in the place. So those people who were drinking were probably getting drunker much quicker. Mm-hmm. That and all the cigarette and oh. cigar smoke in there, there wouldn't be much, <laughs> much, much air. No, not much in the way of oxygen. <laughs> no. The evening's entertainment typically started with a variety show and then after the performance was over, the wooden benches were moved off to the side and stacked up so the audience could dance and drink until dawn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the neighbours loved them. Yeah, I'm not sure whether there were any neighbours that were, yeah. No, no everything yeah, that was, was in business. there yeah, was, was certainly pubs business. and things like that. Yeah. But, no, there was, a, there was accommodation and things around there as well. Hmm. So behind the stage at the birdcage is a set of stairs that lead to the lower level. It's 80% the size of the building's upper floor and these rooms reveal, if you go in there now, um, an untouched site from over 100 years ago. So it is still set up the way it was before. And I found on Google, I love Google, uh, some old photos, some old Mm -hmm. black and white photos of uh, the old birdcage. Mm -hmm. We'll put them up on our Facebook page. It's very eerie down there. Awesome. Because they've taken out panels in the door so you can peer through the door. Ooh. And the beds are still there. Yes, yes. And it's the main, really yeah. grotty. Yeah. <laughs> the main room of this level consists of a private poker room mm-hmm. with a small bar and fixtures. Uh, and this room would accommodate the high rollers. 
uh, who were having a poker game. And there's a very, very famous poker game that went on here, which we'll talk about in a minute. So the game would normally seat about seven players and a house dealer. So one of the first acts at the birdcage was Mademoiselle de Granville, uh, who was also known as the female Hercules. Ooh. And this woman would pick things up with her iron jaw. So oh. she performed feats of strength. <laughs> I was just having visions then and it had nothing to do with the jaw. So, yeah, keep going. Yeah, and she specialised in picking things up, heavy objects, with her teeth. So there were other acts that included an Irish comic duo, Burns and Trayers. That would have gone down like a bomb. <laughs> there was the comic singer Irene Baker. Car- Let's face it, they, all they wanted to see was titties. Yeah. They'd been shooting them till they got off the stage. Yeah, Carrie Delmar and a serious opera singer. Now, honestly... We've heard of these opera. Yes, we've we've heard of these opera singers yeah. going down to the wild west. So it was probably something that I think the fans happen. were going to adore them. Actually, no, some of them really did. They were just enthralled by these voices that were coming out of these ladies, and they mm. they would tell the others to shut up and shoot them if they didn't. Mm-hmm. And of course, more comedians. Entertainment would sometimes include masquerade balls. Featuring cross-dressing entertainers. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, of course, more comedians. And well, Shakespeare was a thing where, where the men yes. would play the female roles. Yes. So, yeah. We are in a mining town, though. Yes. And um, these, these men actually took it to the next level with okay. dressing. They were amazing. Okay. Did they fool Apparently. some of the cowboys? I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> but, I mean, the miners would drink and dance all night. So at some point in time, I guess it really didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Any hole will do. <laughs> right. Who just lost Renata? <laughs> right. Now, I want to talk about this famous poker game here. So the longest poker game in history was played in the basement of the theatre and those who wished to play had to pay $1,000 up front. Now, among notable... Hang on, $1,000? $1,000. That's a huge amount of money in the 1800s. $1,000 up front. Um, Some of the notable people who played in this particular game were George Hurst, Diamond Jim Brady, Adolphus Bush, Doc Holliday, Bat Masterson, Masterson. Oh, I've, I've, these names are ringing a bell and, with a certain movie. And Wyatt Earp. Now, some people do think that Buffalo Bill Cody actually took part in this, but he wasn't present at the game at all. Right. So the poker game itself was played continuously 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh, Lord. How long do you think these guys played poker? Now, I'm assuming... They must have a good bladder. Now, I'm assuming (laughs) that they could come in and out and that other people could take their place, Mm -hmm. yeah? Mm -hmm. How long do you reckon the poker game went for? Oh, 24 hours? Keep going. What? Um... 48 hours? It continued from 1881. Hang on, what? <laughs> it continued from 1881 to 1889. It went for what? eight eight years. 
Continuously? Continuously. Eight years. So it's estimated that approximately $10 million was exchanged in the game during the eight years and that it lasted. And the birdcage retained 10% of that money. Oh, so they got a million out of it. Eight years of continual poker. No wonder that is one of the most haunted spots Mm -hmm. in the birdcage Mm -hmm. theatre. So the one design feature that made the birdcage the birdcage was its birdcages. That's right. (laughs) These were 14 private boxes, seven on each side of the main hall, erected high up in the walls. Mm -hmm. Now, I also read a story about another bit of entertainment that they used to have, which intrigued me. It was called the fly. Right. Did you hear about that? I did. I can't remember the details, so you better tell me. Yeah, something about during this particular show, there would be a woman who would actually climb on the ceiling Mm -hmm. and across the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And it was something to do with the the boots would sort of lock into holes holes and things. And you can actually see some of those holes. Some people think they're bullet holes, but they're actually the holes from the human fly. That's just, I mean. And she fell off. (laughs) (laughs) I think she died. She died. (laughs) We shouldn't laugh. It's awful. Oop, Donana. <laughs> That's, that, I mean, <clears throat> we're in the 1880s. Who, who so, thought of who that? Who thinks of that? Who and thinks, says, That's going to oh, be yeah, okay. I'm going to climb the ceiling. Let's do that. I'm going to make myself into a human fly. People will love it. I, I, yeah, okay. Okay. So let's go back to these bird cages. So patrons would enter the boxes by ascending a narrow stair- stairway near the front door mm-hmm. and following hallways would run the length of the building behind the boxes. And so the boxes had a specific purpose. Oh, oh well, I hmm. wonder what that mm-hmm. could be. And the waitresses could entertain in private once they had successfully solicited a customer from downstairs. Can I just suggest that you don't take your blue light torch up there? No. (laughs) So there would be heavy red velvet drapes Mm -hmm. that would hide the entrance of of each of the sort of private booths. And the cost for renting a booth for the evening was $25. Yeah. That's that's quite quite reasonable. I wonder what what came with that. Don't know. Keep moving forward. Don't know. Double price beer. That's what came with it. Mm -hmm. Just remember, they paid double Mm -hmm. up there. So in 1886, John Bignan, who again was another variety entrepreneur, bought the theatre. He redecorated the building, installed new seats, and used his connections in the entertainment industry to hire. Different performers, a different and diverse group of performers, and he also renamed the place. It became the Elite Theatre. Yeah. So once again, what they're trying to do is to raise the level. <laughs> Bring in a nicer customer. Yeah, yeah. And so he brought in magicians and ventriloquists and trapeze acts, high-kicking dancers and even a troop specialising in the circus feat of human pyramids. And do you know what the cowboys wanted? Boobies. Yep. (laughs) That's all they wanted, boobies. So Joe's wife was called Big Minnie and Minnie was six feet 
tall and weighed 230 pounds, and apparently she was loveliness in pink tights. And and then you sang, she played the piano and did ballet skits for the audience. Wow. I'm just trying to imagine a lady that tall in pink tights doing ballet. Yeah, and she was also the theatre's bouncer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I would love to have been there. I would have liked to have met Minnie. She sounds a bit like me. We would have never been allowed within an inch of that place unless we were working. Women wouldn't have gone in. They would not have been allowed. I'd have to say that I can't imagine you and I would have been the nicer ladies of the town. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true. So in 1888, travellers to Tombstone reported that the birdcage was one of the liveliest attractions they had seen anywhere. Remember, they're still calling it the birdcage, even Mm -hmm. though it's been renamed. Mm -hmm. And between the hours of 8pm and 5am, it certainly lived up to its reputation. So the place continued to offer the same sensual delights that it did during Billy Hutchinson's management. And so I guess what they were doing was in the early hours of the evening, they would be reputable. And then once 8pm hit, all hell broke loose. <laughs> we got the boobies. So <laughs> it was patronised by men looking for women, gambling and various other entertainment. So under Bignan, the birdcage seemed to reach a more feverish frenzy and sometimes the riotous entertainment erupted almost beyond Bignan's control. Yeah. So the clientele, of course, were always on the edge and this is a reason why they were filled with alcohol and... And lack of oxygen. Lack (laughs) lack of oxygen. They're also bored because that was probably the only thing in Tombstone to do if Mm -hmm. you weren't trying to kill each other and... You know, working in the mines, and, of course, they're always drunk. Amid all of that noise, the delirium of the alcohol and the nearly nude ladies, of course, passions would rise and tempers would flare and shots from pistols would zip around the place literally every night. Yeah, I remember reading somewhere that they interviewed a lady who used to work there and she'd say they'd hear the, the bullets go and everyone would just drop to the floor. Yes. Just had to drop to the floor wherever you were. Yeah, to try and save themselves. So sometimes the fighting would even um, spill out to the streets, the front of the theatre, which again became more theatre for the locals. Mm-hmm. Yep. But often there were complaints from the town's residents I can't about imagine. the noise and the sheriff would come down. And as long as the sheriff got his beer and a lady, he'd be fine. Yeah. So the girls at the birdcage, well, inside the theatre their life was completely different than outside the theatre. And as I mentioned before, inside they could tease the men, they had a degree of power and control, they were respected in a particular sense, I guess, but the moment they stepped out of there they were ostracised and really were women who were scorned, which was very, very sad. But, look, as as things happen and times change and in so many of the mining towns in the, those early days in America, Tombstone eventually began to decline in around the early 1890s and Bignon was forced to sell the building and it closed its doors in the summer of 1892. He also shipped most of the props and some of the furnishings to Albuquerque for storage. So he eventually returned to Tombstone and for a time ran variety performances again 
trying to raise the level of society there at a place called the Crystal Palace Saloon. And he also recruited a few of the old timers from the original birdcage, some of the singers and some of the comics and everything. So he gave that a good go for about two years, but he gave up. It just was not the same. Yeah. The old theatre again changed hands in the 1900s and it was purchased by a gentleman called Charles L. Cummings, the mayor of Tombstone. So he wanted the building for storage and for all of his treasures that he had accumulated mm, in Cochise country. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I now, bet there's a lot of blue, blue topaz in there. Yeah. So in 1929, Tombstone held its first Hell Dorado <laughs> celebration. What was it called? Hell Dorado? Hell Dorado. Oh, I like it. I like it. Uh, so the floors were cleaned in the old theatre, everything was repaired, and for a short time it was reopened to the public. But then Charles passed away in 1930 and, and his widow, Margaret, was determined to carry out his dream and have his treasures publicly displayed in the Birdcage Theatre. But in 1931, the theatre was beginning to show its age. Obviously, things were falling around her head. Yeah, cement was coming off in slabs. Yeah, it was something that just couldn't, couldn't happen. So finally in 1934, she finished the renovations of the building and the front section was leased out as a coffee shop. In 1946, Margaret sold the theatre to Harry and Minnie Ohm, who added restrooms to the building in 1947. It still doesn't look big. It's not. It's not huge. Mm. So the primary effort was not to restore the theatre but to keep it the best preserved original building in Tombstone. So after Minnie's death in 1967, the building passed on to William Hunley. Now, one of the main reasons Tombstone went down the tubes was water in the mm-hmm. mines and uh, the Grand Central Mine that the miners had dug in 1882 hit water at 620 feet or 190 metres and kind of the flow really didn't have a large impact to begin with but they had to constantly pump for it to be clear enough to continue mining. Mm. And the silver ore deposits they sought soon disappeared under the water limit. So it just became non-viable. And once the miners left, and you know, because we we had the same thing here in Australia, once mining stops in a place like that and the miners go, the whole township all dies. All the money goes. All they're the, money the ones goes. with the money. And all those services go with the miners. So the miners go to the next place. Everyone, the barbers, the butchers, the the bakers, everyone Mm -hmm. picks up their goods and shackles and moves on with them. So that really was the end of Tombstone and the Birdcage Theatre as people knew it, Mm. the 1930s really. And at what stage did it sort of get back into the sort of the, the ghost hunting sort of scenario. When when did it sort of come back to life? Well, I mean, the first reports of hauntings were actually back in 1921. Right. So the, the reports of that go back that far. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. They built a school across the road, and the high school is further down the road now, but mm -hmm. this school was just across. And when the kids were walking to or from school, they could hear laughter and music coming from inside the building. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure when the latest people took over that, but just I have to say something about Tombstone. It, it's almost like a theme park, but a big company didn't get hold of it. Mm -hmm. The people who live there and who own the buildings all come together as a community and decided to run it a certain way. Mm -hmm. So when you go to Tombstone, you are supporting the business and the livelihood of the families of the town. Mm -hmm. And we all commented on how well it is all run, but it hadn't been commercialised by mm -hmm. a big company. I think they mentioned Disney there at one stage or other, but it, 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 none of them got their fingers into it. So we went to Tombstone, as I said, because Jason wanted to go and we <laughs> big drives. We got there. And we visited Boot Hill Cemetery mm -hmm. to see where all the cowboys and all the way they died. And there was some very interesting ones in there. And then we went and walked down the, the main street. And, of course, we got the OK Corral, which is the big gunfight that everyone talks about. We couldn't get in to see one of these shows, but we did get in to do a ghost hunt that night. Now, we spent two nights there. The first night we went to the Occidental Theatre. 
Now, that used to be the mortuary with the coffin people, the people that made coffins. What do you call them? Oh, my God. Coffin makers. The coffin makers. <laughs> okay. And that's where the bodies of those that were involved in the shootout mm-hmm. were all placed out the front so people could walk past and look at them. Oh. After they died. And apparently that was a thing they did. They put these bodies out on display for people to have a look at. Hmm. So remember back then, This again, the same thing happened here in Australia. The furniture makers would make furniture during the day. Undertaker, that was the word. Yeah, and they would then make the coffins mm-hmm. at night from mm-hmm. the timber that they had left over. Yeah. So but maybe they couldn't would... keep up with the coffins. There was mm. that many people that were imagine. dying. So then we went down to the birdcage and the birdcage the next day, we, I think we went through a walkthrough. But just on the spur of the moment, I said to them, can you hire this place like to do investigation? They said, yeah, yeah, you can. I went, oh, is there any availability tonight? They went, well, actually there is. And for the, like the pricely sum of which I think it was $250 US, thereabouts, mm-hmm. there were six of us, we all pitched in and we got to hire the place to ourselves Wow! to investigate that night. Wow. And it was amazing. So I, I actually got to see these bullet holes and run my finger around some of them and go, oh, my God, I wonder if there was that went through a human and there was blood attached to it. And the history is astounding. But let me get into some of the ghosts. The soundscape that I did to start off with, that actually came from Haunted Tombstone by Cody Polston. And we got lots of great information there. So it's called Haunted Tombstone. There are so many locations. There's Big Nogs, Kate and her salon. And we might cover that one in another episode. Mm. It's a but great it, book for anyone an awesome that would like book. to explore more about Tombstone. So if you like your cowboys, make sure you go get it. Anyway, so the, the, the story refers to Margarita. So apparently she was a painted woman. Mm-hmm. So she was covered in tattoos mm. and would be half naked most of the time. So she has been seen as the apparition of a young woman who opens the curtain. She looked around the ages of 18 to 20, leaning on the balustrade, and she, this person looked at the balustrade and she said that the place seemed to be unoccupied and there was no one in the alcoves except for this woman who was wearing bloomers. So it sort of was odd and stood out. Mm-hmm. And she disappeared. So maybe Margarita is still there. And, of course, they talk about the gold dollar that mm-hmm. I spoke to. And fancy finding the knife. that. Like, so a stiletto is a long, thin knife. Mm-hmm. And it was in the dunny out the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, so they've there actually got been, it there. There would have been a lot of poo to go through <laughs> to get to that. <laughs> ancient poo. Hashtag ancient poo. All right. So that is on display and you can actually go and see that. I wish I'd known about that story before I'd started, then I would have taken special interest in that. Mm-hmm. They've also got like a mermaid or something that like this fishy looking thing with a head on it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, we'll have to find a photo and put that up as well. So I wonder if a gold dollar's energy is you know, stuck with this relic because she never wanted it to be found. But they, they say that Margarita is providing poltergeist activity within the location. 
They have things where they've got items that keep going missing, disappearing relics. There is an antique poker chip that would appear and disappear, materialising only to vanish into thin air. They got so annoyed because they they wanted to get this chip uh, verified that they locked it up into the bank vault Mm -hmm. so that they couldn't lose it. So then the authenticators, the antiquarians, came in to look at it had disappeared. Oh, dear. And it materialised after they left. That would have been gold dollar. <laughs> yeah, going, I reckon it could have yeah, been too. Don't touch that. That's yeah, mine. Yeah. So the the people there actually sort of report that the ghosts are not violent. There's nothing really horrible about them except for this one instance where they hosted a seance. Mm-hmm. All right, so in the 1980s, William Hunley conducted a seance at the Birdcage Theatre. He was the owner at the time and hired a prominent psychic medium. I wish I knew who that was. They were suspecting foul play in the theatre because they're having poltergeist type activity. So, mm-hmm. what's poltergeist, Renata? Noisy ghost. Noisy and they tend to throw things around, move things around. The energy can actually manipulate human beings in that they can push and shove them. Mm. Think of the exorcist. (laughs) And during this seance, one spiteful spirit began to strangle William. Oh. Now, everybody at the table witnessed this Mm -hmm. and... Apparently the bruising was that bad that it lasted for six weeks after the seance. Wow. Now, the violence towards William only stopped when they broke the medium from her trance. Nobody really knows who it was, but it sounds like it could have been now little Gertie. That's why I loved her name, because (laughs) that's our Gertie the doll, which is Golden Dollar, of course. Now, there's also the reports of a ghostly woman in white. Of course there is. I know. We've never heard of that before, have we? Never. Now, this is supposed to be the apparition of a proper lady, which was a rarity for the brothel. Now, this is reported by an employee. Almost everyone who works here has an experience of some kind with the lady in white. I have seen her. She came down the stairwell and into the poker room. She wore a white dress and a bonnet. She stood in front of me for a very long time without reacting to my presence at all. It's like she didn't even know I was there. She was what they would call a residual haunt. No one has ever identified who she is. A bonnet indicates that she was a proper lady and no proper ladies ever came in here. Most of us who work here think she came in with the hearse and is now trapped here. I would probably say that it it may possibly be one of the wives of the owners. That was my gut instinct, or she had a bow Mm. that may have been at the poker game and may have lost his life, maybe one of the 26 or more. Mm -hmm. But I think they're right. It sounds like it's a residual type of haunting because it Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to interact with them at all. And that that brings us to the Black Mariah. (gasps) Yes, I've read about the Black Mariah. I've seen it. Oh, wow. It's magnificent. And they've got it behind the stage. And they've got a lot of artefacts and things back there. And during our investigation, what we decided to do was to leave a tape recorder in that area while we investigated underneath. Mm -hmm. And 
Do you know what we heard when we played it back? What'd you hear? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that when Roman fell asleep under the... <laughs> yes, my lovely husband. <laughs> Underneath the lovely fold-out tables he got there. No. Decided he needed a nap, so no. he laid down and fell asleep next to the Black Mariah. Oh. <laughs> Love you, Roman. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, I can't say we had any activity actually happen when we were in the theatre, but just being there and yes. looking up at those little boxes, knowing that there must be so much sex that have gone on there. <laughs> oh, can you imagine they're, they're pulling it shut, doing the deed, and then popping back out to watch the show? Uh, it's it's one of those places where literally you could say if the walls could speak, mm-hmm. what stories they could tell. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now there is another haunting that occurs outside the theatre with Carmelita Jimenez. Oh, I'm so sorry. She was an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Now she poisoned herself. In, on the 17th of August, 1888. Mm-hmm. So this is a recount from Carmelita's boyfriend. Oh, okay. A few nights ago, after we got through work at the Birdcage Theatre, where we are both employed, after the show we came home. After we had retired for the night, she commenced crying. I asked her the cause of it. She answered it was not concerning me and what she was crying about. I was in the kitchen at the time. She took the poison. After rehearsal yesterday, I saw her vomit alongside the washstand. I thought it was an emetic. The next thing I know, Josephine, her niece, asked me if I knew what was the matter with Carmelita. I said, she's only a little sick. She said, no, she's poisoned herself. Go and get the doctor. Now, Dr. Willis gave Carmelita an emetic, which was going to help her vomit, Mm -hmm. but it was too late. Carmelita died at five o'clock the next day. She'd poisoned herself with a concoction of arsenic called Rough on Rats. Yes, Rough on Rats came out to Australia. Yeah, and the the Birdcage Theatre shut their doors that night out of reverence for Carmelita. So was it ever discovered why she had killed herself? No. (gasps) What an amazing Mm -hmm. opportunity to go in and try and contact Carmelita and find out what had happened to her. Yeah. Oh, we could do one of our seances as long as we don't get strangled. Mm. Now, there's another interesting story about mm-hmm. the statue of White Earp. Now, this statue is in one of the cribs, one of the, the little bird cages up the top there. They're sealed off so no one can get in to touch the artefacts because when you look up there, you can see all actual artefacts from the time. So during a period of six months... His hat kept getting knocked off and thrown out into the middle of the floor. So it's being thrown out from the top floor mm-hmm. about 15 feet into the middle of the dance hall. The statue of him in that room has been completely turned around, so he's facing the wall. Oh. Now, they weren't quite sure why this was going on. So a local historian pointed out that the crib was often rented out by the Clantons. Now, Billy Clanton was a rival of the Earp brothers and was killed near the OK Corral. The owners moved the statue to the crib that Earp used to normally have. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, the activity stopped. Right. Isn't that cool? 
So once again, we've got the history that then backs up yes. something that's going on there, and I love it when that happens. There's also reports of a stagehand that walks across the stage with a clapboard, and nobody knows why. And clapboard for me is more movies. Yeah. So I don't understand why there's somebody with a clapboard, unless it was part of a routine or something. Mm, unless, I mean, um, movies do go back to the early 1900s. Maybe there was someone who was filming mm, maybe some maybe. of the variety acts or something. Yeah, possibly. Now, the employees at the birdcage are actually scared to stay there after dark. And I remember the lady that stayed with us was quite tentative. And she's going, no, no, I'll be okay. I'll be in my office. If you need me, you come and get me, but I'm staying there. Mm -hmm. And they say that you shouldn't stay there after, I think it was 9pm, because there is just that much paranormal activity going on that they, they don't want to deal with it. Oh, please, let me go there. I know. There was... An example, when two employees are staying back to close up and they turned off the sound system because there's this sound thing that goes through and telling you the history and pointing out very bit, and it's in speakers throughout the theatre. So they turned all of that off and they've gone down to the bordello room where apparently White Earp had an affair with Josephine Marcus. Just a little bit of tidbit there. Oh, no, shouldn't use the word tidbit. <laughs> shouldn't use that word. Sorry. Anyway, they started to hear an unintelligible voice coming out of the sound system, which was turned off, and then the song Red River Valley started blaring out. They said, you never want to be in here after 9 o'clock at night. That's when stuff really starts happening. Mm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But the the card table is downstairs and there's photos where people have taken photos into the mirror and they can capture images of people within the the mirror. And I'm pretty sure Jason may have captured something. Mm -hmm. But they they have figures and, you know, there's dummies and things around the place which drive me batty when you go to a haunted location, apart from scaring the shit out of you when you walk around (laughs) a corner. If you're looking at doing photos into mirrors and glass and things, you get the reflection from them and unless you've really cased out the whole joint, you just get false False evidence. Yes, that's true. But the the stories go on and on. So it's great to get stories from the actual people who worked there. Yes. And they they tell these stories with a trepidation. You can see the fear in their eyes. You can tell when people are just telling stories for the sake of telling a good story and those who have truly had the experience. But as I said, we didn't have much happen. But let's actually look at to why people would be saying this is haunted. So many people have witnessed things. It's not just a psychic or a medium who's come in and said, this is what's happening, and then a legend begins. But it seems to be a lot of residual haunting. Would you agree? Mm, Yes. Yeah. So they do run tours there. The tours normally start at 6.15pm, seven days a week, and they have a a family ghost tour. Well, that one's the family ghost tour. And then they have the 8pm tour as well, which is a maximum of 20 guests, and that's at $25 per person. Yeah, that's too many for a place like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you you have to understand, yeah, Yeah. you have to understand that they're trying to pay their bills. Uh, They probably can't do that um, because of COVID now. Yeah. And you can hire out the whole theatre. Now, I have to say, that's not a huge amount of money that they're they're drumming up. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that they need to 
try to keep the stories going. I think the I really think this place has hauntings. Mm-hmm. Certainly got the vibe to it. And I know all the ghost hunting shows find evidence, but I suppose they have to to keep their audience, don't they? Mm-hmm. Not saying that they're lying, but they are there over several days trying to, to gather evidence. There are so many movies and TV series based on Tombstone, but not necessarily The Birdcage. Of course, it is part of its history. But what would you reckon? Would you say this is a true haunting? I think it lends itself to a lot of residual energy, a lot of residual haunting being there. Whether there are apparitions or intelligent energies there, most probably, yeah. I would say. There was certainly a lot of emotion that was... A lot of violence, a lot of emotion, yeah. a lot of death and instantaneous death, those those kind of deaths where you're not prepared to die. Yeah. Um, and so that also lends itself to these wandering souls, these souls who really kind of go, I don't know where I am, I don't know what's just happened, I don't know why I'm finding myself here. Yeah. And, look, we could have gone into the story of the OK Corral and all the cowboys and everything, but this this episode is about the Birdcage Theatre. And Doc Holliday apparently did play games, uh, cards down there, and I remember what's our big Texan friend's the Kling brothers mm-hmm. doing Iroquois down there, and that's where I learnt all about Iroquois, mm-hmm. and they had great success with they that. They did. Where you reenact an event to hopefully get the spirits to engage. Mm-hmm. So watch that episode of Ghost Lab to find out what happened. It was great. But I've really enjoyed looking into this one. We had to pull it up and stop because it just keeps going on and on and on. There is so much information about the birdcage and its, and its hauntings, but... I think we've got enough for the people to enjoy this episode. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm torn between the actual true life stories of what went on in there <laughs> and the hauntings, yeah. which is more interesting. Mm-hmm. The lady that went across the ceiling. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> human the, fly, yep. the human fly. As the human fly. The bird cages themselves or the spirits now haunt the place Mm. and in a way remind us that those stories are just so important not to forget because they are so much a part of American history. They are. Renata, I will take you there one day. Let's hope. I have my fingers crossed. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode. So next week, what are we looking at, Renata? Next week we are going... Closer to home. Oh, are we? Yes, to Monte Cristo. <gasps> I can't wait to do Monte Cristo. Is a, allegedly the most haunted homestead in Australia. Oh, I can't wait to tell my stories. But look, guys, thank you for joining us on this episode. Make sure you subscribe, hit that bell so you get notified when our next episode is. And if you can, leave us a review on iTunes. Make sure you've subscribed on Spotify or whatever it is that you like to listen to this from. And please share, share, share to get more people listening to our show. And look, this helps us reach a greater audience and the internet algorithm or Facebook or Spotify or iTunes likes us a lot more, which then allows us to bring you more content. See you next time. Stay on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. 
For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 